Aramsayaparo Rajan Karmabandhaira Vimuchite O King Parikshit, anyone who orally receives the narrations concerning the characteristics of Lord Ramchandra's pastimes will ultimately be freed from the disease of envy and thus be liberated from the bondage of fruitive activities. Purport by His Divine Grace, Srila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. Here in this material world, everyone is envious of someone else. Even in religious life, it is sometimes found that if one devotee has advanced in spiritual activities, other devotees are envious of him. Such envious devotees are not completely freed from the bondage of birth and death. As long as not one is not completely free from the cause of birth and death, one cannot enter the Sanatan Dham or the eternal pastimes of the Lord. <coughs> one becomes envious because of being influenced by the designations of the body. But the liberated devotee has nothing to do with the body. Therefore, he is completely on the transcendental platform. A devotee is never envious of anyone, even his own enemy, because the devotee knows that the Lord is the supreme protector. He thinks, what harm can the so-called enemy do? Thus, the devotee is confident about his protection. <coughs> the Lord says, According to the proportion of one's surrender unto me, I respond accordingly. A devotee must, therefore, be completely free from envy, especially of other devotees. To envy other devotees is a great offense, a Vaishnava aparad. A devotee who constantly engages in hearing and chanting Shravanam Kirtanam is certainly freed from the disease of envy, and thus he becomes eligible to go back home, back to Godhead. Purusho Ramacharitam Shavanai Rupadharyam Anvrsamsya Paro Rajan Karamabandhair Yamuchite O King Parikshit, anyone who orally receives the narrations concerning the characteristics of Lord Ramchandra and his pastimes will ultimately be freed from the disease of envy and thus be liberated from the bondage of fruitive activities. Krishna tells Arjuna in the Bhagavad Gita, that your qualification for receiving and understanding this great knowledge is that you are not envious of me. This is the foremost, the essence of all disease within the conditioned state of life. It is the disease of envy. Envy is springing like a fountain from our hearts 
due to our enviousness of Krishna. Krishna is the supreme enjoyer. Bhoktaram Jagatapasam Sarva Loka Maheshwaram Suhridam Sarva Bhutanam Gyatvamam Shantim Ritschati Krishna tells us that if we can understand these principles, we can, un- we can be peaceful. In essence, what he means is if we understand these principles, we will no longer be envious. These three principles are the cause of all envy when they are not understood. Krishna says that I am the proprietor of everything that exists. If we simply accept this, there will be no envy. But we are all wanting to claim proprietorship of what belongs to God. That is a vehement and degraded gesture of envy toward Krishna. We want to own what is his. We want to claim what is his. When Krishna says, I am the proprietor, Sarva Loka Maheshwaram, of everything within all planets, that means not only all the land within the planets, not only all the uh, buildings and property, but also everything. Your body is the property of Krishna. Whatever abilities you have are the property of Krishna. If you have some educational qualifications, they are not yours. If you claim them to be yours, that is an expression of envy toward who they really belong, Krishna. If you have the power to speak, that power to speak is Krishna's. The power to see is the property of Krishna. If you have some particular abilities or skill, Krishna says, I am the ability in man. Your ability belongs to Krishna. Krishna says, I am the intelligence of the intelligent. Your ability is the prop your intelligence is the property of Krishna. I am the strength of the strong. Whatever strength you have to do anything, that strength is the property of Krishna. When we want to take credit for anything, that is a show that we are envious of God. Because he deserves all credit because it is his. That is why Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, Amani sadahari. You can only chant the holy name of the Lord constantly if you are not envious of the Lord. If you are envious of the Lord, then you're going to want to stop chanting His name to chant your own. Correct? If you're chanting His name constantly, that means you have to be completely free from any desire for any recognition yourself. And in order to do so, you must be willing to offer all respect to others and expect no respect for oneself. Understanding that whatever I have, I do not deserve to be respected for it because it is the property of God. Bhaktaram Jagatapasam. He is the supreme enjoyer of all sacrifice. He is the supreme enjoyer of everything that exists. As soon as we think that anything is meant for my enjoyment, that is simply the manifestation of our envy toward Krishna springing from our heart. Sacrifice means that everything is meant for Krishna's enjoyment. We cannot understand Krishna till we become completely free 
from wanting to be the proprietor and wanting to be the enjoyer. And then Krishna says, Suhradam Sarvabhutam, that I am the friend of all living beings. This is another type of envy of God, that we think that we are the friend. We think that we can help another. There is envy in the mode of goodness, passion, and ignorance. Those who are in the mode of goodness are very anxious to help others. They open hospitals, they build temples, they distribute free food, they distribute clothing, and they think, just see, I am the friend of these fallen, unfortunate, poverty-stricken people. I am their friend. I am their benefactor. I am their provider. Surely the activities are in the mode of goodness, but the consciousness is an act of envy toward Krishna. Because the fact is, whatever you are giving them is Krishna's property. And your power to give is Krishna's property. Really, you are not doing anything but being his instrument. Just like if you go to the bank and the teller gives you one crore of rupees, does the teller feel very proud and think, yes, just see how wonderful I am. I am giving you one crore of rupees. I am such a benefactor. The teller understands, I'm doing nothing. I'm just, I'm just fortunate enough to allow this to, to be a part of this transaction. So similarly, whatever good we do for another, it is not us doing it. If we think it is us doing it, we are envious. It is Krishna doing it. Krishna is the source of all good. Prakrite kriyamana nigunai karamani saravasha ahankara vimudhatma karatahamiti manyate. Bhagavad Gita says that the bewildered spirit soul thinks himself to be the doer of activities, but in actuality is all being carried out by nature. It is due to ahankar, false ego. And his nature is all working under Krishna's direction. So anything material, spiritual, anything is ultimately being performed by Krishna alone. If we want to enjoy anything, if we want to claim proprietorship of anything, or if we want to take the credit for anything, that means that this insidious, most destructive enemy of envy has overcome us. And in this material world, as it is explained in this purport, everyone is envious of someone else. Even in spiritual life. If someone manifests more empowered qualities than we, sometimes we become very envious. In our heart of hearts, we actually are hoping that this person will fall down from his spiritual platform. So that people will think, ah, just see, he's not as good as I am. Everyone was thinking he was very good, but when all things are said and done, I'm better. I'm the greatest. Huh? Whatever we're good at, if we're not good at anything, usually we're not so envious of people. Huh? But if we're good at something a little, then we can't tolerate when somebody else is better. This is the nature of a conditioned soul. A poor man is not so envious of some other rich man. But a rich man, if he sees somebody else richer, he becomes very envious. If he sees somebody else do, giving more donation or doing better, he thinks, oh, 
He's motivated. It's all material. But when I do it, it's very transcendental. Or if someone can speak and preach better than us, we are thinking, oh, I can't wait till this person can fall down so everyone realizes I am better. If someone can sing better, if someone can cook better, if someone can manage better, we become very envious. Because we want to be the enjoyer. We want to be the proprietor of this opulence. Aishwarya Samagrasya Krishna is the proprietor of all opulence. We have to see that Krishna is the doer. If someone is speaking nicely, we should not think, just see how wonderful this person is. I want to be better. We should see, just see how wonderful Krishna is manifesting himself through this person. If someone sings very nicely, we should see, just think, just see how Krishna is so wonderfully manifesting his, his, his words to this person. If someone is managing or cooking or doing anything very nicely, dressing the deities, we should think, just see how Krishna is manifesting himself through this person in such a wonderful way. Then we will not be envious. Then we will simply find great joy and inspiration in everyone's devotional service. Every living being is part and parcel of Krishna. If you are envious of anyone, do not fool yourself. That means you are simply a serpent envious of Krishna. That's all. Admit it. If you admit it, you could make some spiritual advancement. If you don't admit it, you'll simply suffer in your own venom endlessly, birth after birth after birth. That's all. Because whatever qualities we're envious of, they're manifesting through Krishna. They're manifesting by Krishna through this person. When we become envious of Krishna, we are potentially envious of every part of him. We come to this world because we want to be the proprietor and the enjoyer. And this is the problem with religions today. Most religions are teaching you worship God, you approach God, you will have a better material life, you will get more respectability, you will get more proprietorship over land through economic development, and you will also get more sense gratification. In other words, you will be simply more envious of God. You will be able to fulfill your envious position. That's all. In the name of religion. Even the mode of goodness, piety, is envy. And 99.9% .9 of religions throughout the world, whether it is Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism, Christianity, Jainism, Parsiism, people approach God for material enjoyment. That means they're not trying to give up their envy of God. They're simply asking God to provide the resources by which we can continue our envy toward him. Take the glory that belongs to him. Take the proprietor, the property that belongs to him. Enjoy the facilities that belong to him. Therefore, Srimad Bhagavatam, from the very beginning, kicks out all this kaitava dharma or cheating religion. Dharma projita kaitava traparama nirmatsananam satam. From the very beginning, Srimad Bhagavatam kicks out 
Artakama Dhamma Moksha. Economic development, religiosity, sense gratification, and even liberation from the Bhagavatam's point of view are all expressions of envy toward God. Artha, economic development. We want more to claim to be ours, but everything is Krishna's. It is an illusion. It is an act of envy. Kama, sense gratification. Krishna says, I am the enjoyer of everything, but we want to enjoy. Narasandas Thakur has prayed. Vishaya chadhyā khabe sudha habi manak khabe hamaheri bostri brindavan. He's praying in this way. My dear mind. Only when you are completely free from all separate desire to enjoy anything of this world will you be able to see Vrindavan. Even when we go to Vrindavan, the holy land, or any holy place, we cannot see it as it is until we become free from the propensity for material enjoyment. Everything we see is cataract by our enviousness. Dhamma, religiosity, I explain. People are very pious. People perform rituals. People perform pujas. They give in charity. They're very strict to follow certain regulative principles of living a pious life. But they want credit for it. They want distinction for it. That I'm a pious and a good man. That is another act of envy. And moksha, liberation. From the Bhagavatam's point of view, from other lesser scriptures' point of view, moksha is the supreme goal of life. But from the Bhagavatam point of view, it is another form of envy. That we want to be, take the position of God. We want to merge into the supreme and be the supreme. I am Krishna, you are Krishna, everyone is Krishna. I am God. Therefore, Savai Pung Sangtaro Dharamo Yato Bhadhira Bhadhokshe Jai Ahoitakiya Pratihata Jajatma Suprasidati The supreme occupation, which is the one and only goal of the Bhagavad philosophy, is unmotivated, uninterrupted, loving service to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Krishna, you are free to do anything you want to me. Bhakti Vinod Thakur prays that, my Lord, if you want to protect me, it is your will to protect me. If you want to kill me, destroy me, do it. I am your servant. I have no right to be choosy. Whatever you give is your mercy. I will accept it gratefully. If you want to give me the world or take everything away, I see no difference. I am simply your servant, and I will act any way you please. This is Bhagavad philosophy. Therefore, Srila Prabhupada would often say that why some people who are speaking from the scriptures of the world, tens and thousands of people flock to hear them. 
Because essentially they are teaching Arthakama Dhamma Moksha with a little bit of devotional service mixed in. He said, but in the Krishna consciousness movement you will not find hordes of people seriously coming to hear. Because we are telling them that you have to give up all sense gratification. We have to tell them that all their aspirations in life are envious qualities. And you have to sacrifice your consciousness for Krishna's pleasure. Very few people want to hear that. But Srila Prabhupada said, better one moon than millions and millions of stars. There's millions of stars, millions of people that want to hear what they want to hear. But if one person becomes a pure devotee of Krishna, that person can give light, illumination to all the world. So here, Srila Shukadeva Goswami is describing how to extinguish the most contaminating disease of all diseases, the disease of envy. It is to learn to sincerely hear and chant the glories of the Lord. Because the glories of the Lord are so sweet and so nectarine that they purify our heart to its very core from all traces of enviousness. Therefore, there is no process more powerful than this. The Srimad Bhagavatam explains that of all forms of meditation, raising of the Kundalini, purifying the various chakras through different mystic processes, extensive studies of philosophy. These things may help us to become very powerful in controlling our senses and even controlling the facilities of material nature. But these things cannot extinguish the quality of envy from our life. There we find, for we find very, very great powerful yogis, but they still have envy. The Bhagavatam explains the only thing that will extinguish this quality of envy, which is the basic root of all disease, is sincerely hearing and chanting the glories of the Lord. And how is it possible? Because when we hear and chant the glories of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, we are directly associating with Him. In the beginning, due to the disease of envy, which is like jaundice, Hearing and chanting of the glories of the Lord is sometimes very bitter, distasteful. Sit home and read the scriptures, come to the Bhagavatam class, come to the Gita class, come to the Prabhachan. I'd rather go to the cinemas, I'd rather watch the TV, I'd rather read some novel. I'd rather talk prajalpa, talk all nonsense with my friends. It's boring to sit there and listen. That is because of our disease, the disease of envy. Rather than give Krishna enjoyment, we want to enjoy. But if we continually hear and chant the glories of the Lord, in proper association, then gradually, little by little by little, this envy will be removed. Nasta praesha bhadre shunityam bhagavati sevaya bhagavati uttamasloke bhaktir bhavati naishtaki. 
Bhagavatam explains that by regularly hearing Srimad Bhagavatam from the person Bhagavatam, not by the professional reciter, not by the person who is teaching the conclusion of, of Arthatama Kama Moksha from the Bhagavatam, but one who is teaching the real essence according to the parampara of pure devotional service, if we hear from such a person and render service to such a person, all inauspicious things from our heart are cleansed. And here Shukadeva Goswami is specifically explaining that anyone who orally receives the narrations concerning the characteristics of Lord Ramchandra's pastimes will be ultimately freed from the disease of envy and thus be liberated from the bondage of fruit of activities. But it is very important to understand who we must receive the narration of Ramchandra's pastimes from. It must be someone who is teaching according to the previous great acharyas. Whether it is the Bhagavatam, the Ramayan, the Mahabharat, even the New Testament, the Old Testament, the Quran, most people are teaching these scriptures according to the principles of Arthakama Dhamma Moksha. They are giving pious examples to make you a better human being. That is all right. That is certainly constructive in this society. But it will not free you from envy. Ultimately, it will not situate you on that platform of pure devotional service. It is only by hearing from someone who is narrating according to the real principles. Someone who is narrating the pastimes of Ramchandra without tinting it, without tainting it. With impersonalism, with karmakanda, or with jnanakanda. But he was purely presenting it according to Upashanakanda or Bhakti or pure devotion. After all, Maharaj Guha, he was just a simple, humble man. He wasn't learned. He wasn't wealthy. He had one quality. He had no other motivation but the pleasure of Sita and Ram. Hanuman was subhuman from the physical point of view. People in India are very, very much attached to this caste consciousness. But the greatest bhakta of Ram's Leela was Hanuman, who had no caste. He was an animal. He only had one quality. His only motive was to please Ram. In Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Leela, the greatest of all the Acharya was Haridas Thakur, he had no caste. He only had one quality. He simply wanted to please Krishna by chanting his holy name. And in Krishna's Leela, the gopis, they completely went against all social conventions, all caste considerations. In the middle of the night, they left everything behind. They were socially total rejects for what they had done. Why? because he had only one motivation, to please Krishna. So in all the great transcendental narrations of the Lord, we find that the supreme glorified devotees are those who only had one intention, to please Krishna. There was no material considerations that had any value. So one who teaches this, one who teaches 
sacrifice of one's own spirit for proprietorship and for enjoyment and teaches only pure unalloyed devotion to Krishna. When we hear from the lips of such a person, then and then only does it have a truly powerful effect of purifying our hearts. Therefore, Srila Prabhupada explained that in his books, his purports are more important than the translations. Because the translations you will read and you will enjoy, but you will not understand the essence and the meaning behind it. Therefore, in our Gaudiya Vaishnava Sampradaya, you will find that of the Acharyas, nobody has ever just translated books. They always give purport. They always explain each verse of each chapter according to the conclusion of pure devotional service, surrender. Sarvadharman Bhuritya Mame Kamsharanam Vrija. Books, whatever they say, every line, every verse is simply reminding us of this one. Just surrender to Krishna. That is the conclusion of whatever is being said. And if we are not constantly reminded of this and how to surrender, then we will be misled. Because you see, in the Vedic scriptures, there are six Puranas for those in the mode of Tamaguna. There are six Puranas for those in the mode of Rajaguna. And six Puranas for those in Sattvaguna. And the Puranas, if you, ha if, you, if you understand the principle of pure devotional service from a bona fide Acharya, you could read any of these Puranas and see that everything is teaching pure devotional service. Because it is. But at the same time, whatever Krishna does has many, many meanings. According to the person, the same words have a different meaning. To some persons, the same story exemplifies how to become more pious. Huh? How to become a little more pious. How to be a little more respectful to your elders. Huh? In Ram Lila, the way Ram dealt with his father, some interpret it to see. That means the son must obey the father, that's all. The Ramayana TV, that's the way people understood it, because there was no purport. Just see, the supreme Sanatan Dharma is to be obedient to your father. That is what Rama is teaching. For those in a lower mode, unless you're obedient to your father, you'll never come higher. But for those who hear from the Acharya, they understand that Ram, that was not the real meaning. That was the meaning for some people of a lower consciousness. But the real meaning is that Ram's father was a pure devotee. And Ram's obedience was the same as Krishna's being willing to be tied up by Mother Yashoda. That he's bound to be surrendered to the feet of his devotee because he's captured by love. The power of, of Dasarat Maharaja's love bound Ram to be his humble, obedient servant. So it's showing the quality of love, how it conquers even Godhead. From the Upasanakanda point of view, that's what is said. But from the Karmakanda point of view, means you should obey your father. Both meanings are there. Depends who you hear it from. Depends who you understand it from. Therefore, Nitya Bhagavata Sevaya. You must hear Bhagavatam from a person Bhagavatam.
who is delivering the essence of the parampara of Sri Krishna. And if we hear from the proper source with great attention regularly and we render service to such great souls, ah, then all of these characteristics of envy will be removed from without and within. And this is the supreme goal of life, this purification of envy. When we chant the holy name, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. If we receive the holy name from such a great devotee of the Lord, and we learn how to live, learn how to chant from such a great soul, avoiding the ten offenses, learning how to be a humble servant. See, just chanting has great powerful effect, but the spiritual master teaches us how to chant. It is just like the Guru Dev plants the seed of, of prema in our heart. And the chanting of the holy name and the hearing the glories of the Lord are like the water that nourishes that seed. But following all the other instructions are like sowing the ground. If the ground is not fertile, and if the ground is not soft, no matter how much you water the seed, it's going to take long, 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 long time for it to come out. And as that seed is growing, as you're watering, other weeds are growing with it, which are going to strangle it if you don't pull them out. So therefore, it is not just the process of watering the seed. It is not simply chant Hare Krishna. Chanting Hare Krishna is the only thing that will make the seed grow, according to the Shastra. But to get the true effect of chanting, we must be the obedient, submissive servant of the spiritual master by following his instruction. Because through his instruction, he teaches us how to soften, till, and fertilize that soil and pull out the weeds. And then when we chant the holy name, we will get very, very fast and very effective progress in the development of our spirituality. This is very essential. One must follow in the footsteps of the great souls. Then our spiritual progress becomes undisturbed. So to come together sincerely, to hear and chant the glories of the Lord, is the means by which we can become free from the disease of envy. And the greatest threat is when devotees become envious of one another. That is the greatest threat. Because that is the greatest barrier for peace and justice within this world. Because the congregational chanting of the holy name, can cleanse away all the anartas, all the unwanted qualities within the entire universe. But if we are envious of one another, we cannot properly come together and congregationally chant the holy name. Therefore, not only are we cheating ourselves, but we're cheating everybody. We're cheating our spiritual master, we're cheating all living beings. And the tendency is so strong, familiarity breeds contempt. The closer you to become to someone, the more the inclination is, is to be envious. Very seldom are we really envious of strangers. If someone we never heard of does something better than us, we might feel a little envy. But if somebody who's very, very close to us 
we become terribly envy. Generally, gossip is most heinous when it is toward persons who we are very dear and familiar with. That's somebody who we never heard of before. Familiarity breeds contempt. This is the law of material nature. As long as the familiarity is based on mutual sense gratification. When we talk prajalpa, when we talk nonsense, that means we're talking simply for the purpose of mutual sense gratification. From that talk, we'll be born envious of one another, today or tomorrow. But if we are always discussing how to better serve our spiritual master, how to better serve each other, how to better serve the mission of Mahaprabhu, when we discuss the glories and the pastimes and the philosophy of Krishna consciousness, then that very discussion will remove all envy and create an intimacy of love amongst each other. And that is what is most required, that there is love and trust amongst each other. And there is only one hope of love and trust being established amongst one another. And that is that the topic of our actions, the topics of our discussions, the topics of all of our interactions with one another is Krishna. It's Krishna's service, is Guru's service. There is a verse by the Prachetas in the fourth canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, which explains that those persons who are devotees, who come together to hear and chant the glories of the Lord, they are free of all envy toward one another, at least for the time being, as long as they are engaged in this process. So the greatest threat to our mission is envy toward one another. We see in so many religious movements how things come apart because even big persons in very high spiritual positions become envious of one another. This is because they are too much concerned with, discuss with discussing management or other mundane things and they forget to keep putting Krishna in the center. But we see, if we do not learn to love and trust one another on the basis of coming together to hear and chant the glories of the Lord exclusively, then there will be envy, there will be disintegration, there will be competition. And in this way, the mission will be greatly disturbed. So this is Shukadeva Goswami's wonderful example. In his own life, he did not care for any other responsibility. He simply wanted to hear and chant the glories of the Lord. Is there any questions? Yes. We are not supposed to envy others, but uh, oneself is likely because of his own mind that uh, even if Don't worry about it. We're all envious. If you think you're not envious, then you're going to just become very proud and you're not going to take to the process. If you realize that I am envious in practically every aspect of life there's envy, then you'll really take shelter of the holy name and you'll really take shelter of the divine narrations of Krishna consciousness and you really take shelter of serving the great souls. Huh? That's all.
take to the cure, don't worry about each and every manifestation of the disease. Hmm? What you're asking is like, if you have a chronic, horrible disease that's killing you, and you get an itch somewhere in your body and you think, I wonder if this is part of the disease. <laughs> is this caused by the disease or did a mosquito bite me? What is it? It doesn't matter, just take the medicine because the disease is everywhere. Right? So don't worry about whether this thing is cause of envy or that thing, just take the medicine with great urgency. Hmm? Yes? two stages of bhakti. One is Vaidhi bhakti and one is Raganuga bhakti. What you are speaking of is Raganuga bhakti, a spontaneous, natural eagerness for Krishna at all times. That is a very advanced, purified state. At the beginning, we have to accept the process of Vaidhi bhakti. This is what Rupa Goswami teaches. That means as a matter of discipline. We rise early in the morning and associate with devotees and we attentively hear to our capacity whether we are eager or whether it's the last thing in the world we want to do. We do it because it is our duty. Huh? We do it because it is the order of Guru. We're really aspiring and praying for purification while we do it, but we may feel no eagerness. But through the practice of chanting our rounds, even if we have no taste for the holy name, even if we'd rather do anything but chant, we do it. That is Vaidhi Bhakti, because it is a discipline. Sadhana, tapasya. We make the sacrifice whether we like it or don't like it, whether we're inspired or not inspired. If we're not willing to put this sacrifice of discipline in our life, never in millions of years will we ever attain Raganuga Bhakti, the spontaneous eagerness. That spontaneous eagerness is by the grace of Krishna given to us. By following the regulative principles of freedom, that means discipline, that means austerity, one can obtain the complete mercy of the Lord and thus become free from all attachments and aversions. This is the process. Gradually we will come to that stage, but it is not cheap. Those who want something cheap, they are unfortunate. They are not willing to pay the price. Rupa Goswami said pure devotional service is very rare because people are naturally like smartas and sahajas. 
They want to just go to Vrindavan and dance in the groves and think, well, I'm just, I'm Krishna's Saki, I'm Krishna's Gopi. Anyone could go and enjoy Vrindavan. But we are meant not to enjoy Vrindavan, but to be enjoyed by Krishna and Vrindavan. That means we have to be the humble servant of the servant of the servant and obey and be obedient and discipline and surrender to things we don't like. When Krishna sees we're willing to do that, we attract his mercy. And by his mercy he awakens spontaneous love, Raghunuga Bhakti, in our heart. Huh? Any other questions? Yes. Depends who you are. If you're an advanced transcendentalist, it's a fall down. If you're not acting in devotional service, if you're in a mode of passion or in a mode of ignorance, it's a step toward transcendental realization. So it's very good. From the mode of goodness, the doors to devotional service are easily opened. But if we don't walk through that door, then we remain on the material plane of karma. For further details of this cassette, please contact Radhanath Swami Tape Ministry. Sri Sri Radha Gopinath Mandir, International Society for Krishna Consciousness. Addresses 7 km Munshi Marg, Chaupati, Bombay 400, 007, India.